This is an RNZ podcast. Tēnā koutou katoa and welcome to Insight. I'm Philippa Tolley and it's great to have you with us. This week, guns, their users and owners and how they're responding to the terrorist attacks in Christchurch. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. A week almost to the minute after the killing of 50 people at two Christchurch mosques, the Friday Muslim call to prayer was broadcast across New Zealand. The nation reflected and grieved during two minutes of silence for those who suffered at the hands of the gunmen. Imam Gamalfuda told a crowd gathered at Christchurch's Hagley Park he saw hatred and rage in the eyes of a killer inside Masjid al-Nur on that day, but he now saw love reflecting back. This terrorist sought to tear our nation apart with an evil ideology that has torn the world apart. But... Instead, we have shown that New Zealand is unbreakable and that the world can see in us. An example of love and unity. We are broken hearted, but we are not broken. While Gamalfuda declared that Gaman had not achieved his aim of breaking New Zealand apart, the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern was clear there were things that needed fixing. We have a large number of loopholes in our laws. Now, many New Zealanders would be astounded to know that you can access uh, military-style semi-automatics in the way that you can here. There are a range of things that need to be fixed. She didn't want the sort of guns that have been used to kill 50 people legally available in this country anymore. And people at prayer, such as Sami Adib, should have been safe. You know, he shot me from the first round. Uh, and then I, I, I said to myself, oh God, this is real, and I've been shot. Yeah. Uh, uh, when my friend, uh, he was on my left, and he asked me, uh, Adib, uh, how, how, how are you? How are you feeling? I told him, I, I got a bullet. And he said, I, I, will, I will help you. I, didn't, I am safe. I didn't get anything. Yeah, but I act and I, I fell down. So I was happy. But uh, unfortunately, uh, when he came the second round, he, he killed. Yeah, that was a, a very, very, very uh, shocking moment to me. I mean, uh, he, he's the best friend. He's the best friend of mine. Within six days, changes to gun ownership were on the table. The police commissioner, Mike Bush, gave an emphatic description of the new directives under a special order in council. The people who were, prior to 3pm, lawfully in possession of firearms such as semi-automatic assault rifles are no longer lawfully in possession of those firearms due to the categorisation or the change in categorisation. So we as police want to do everything we can to ensure those people get to bring their firearms to surrender them to us. 
and make that possible and possible quickly. That will provide challenges for people. Obviously, there is an amnesty or a grace period, uh, so we'll be working with everyone to ensure we give them every assistance to take those firearms off them, get them out of circulation and into a place of safekeeping so those firearms can never be used again in an act of violence so horrific. There are 250,000 gun licence holders in New Zealand. One of them is Craig, who's had a lifelong interest in firearms, which he uses for hunting, competition shooting and pest control. For years, he's reviewed and written about guns. Basically, on a week-to-week basis, um, I go hunting wherever possible. Um, and I like to take young people with me when I go hunting and train them, teach them how to shoot safely and ethically. And that covers a whole field of um, utilising whatever you hunt and, and shoot and, and how it's harvested and the manner with, with which um, you dispatch it. That means he has a range of firearms to use depending on the activity. I've got a, a wide variety of rifles that are used for different purposes um, and depending upon the, the situation and, and what you're trying to achieve you'd use a, a different type of firearm like if you're in a, a control type situation you'd tend to use a semi-automatic um, rifle or shotgun um, because if you encounter multiple targets and you're supposed to be controlling them then the idea is to, is to try and eliminate all those animals as quickly as, and as efficiently as you can and as humanely as you can. So are we um, then talking about pest control as opposed to sport hunting? No, that's, that's pest control. So it's like a different kettle of fish. Sport hunting would tend to be a person going out to get an animal to eat for meat or a trophy. Whereas pest control, you're, um, you're trying to get rid of pests for farmers generally. So <clears throat> it is a very different thing. And a semi-automatic rifle is a very good tool for that job. And a number of those weapons will become illegal if the new arms amendment bill is passed. The bill would ban semi-automatic weapons and military-style semi-automatics along with parts such as magazines and ammunition which can be used to assemble a prohibited firearm or convert a lower-powered rifle into a semi-automatic. It would also make pump-action shotguns with a more than five-shot capacity illegal and ban semi-automatic shotguns that can hold a detachable magazine. However, it will exempt some semi-automatic firearms, such as .22 calibers and shotguns, which have a limited ammunition capacity. And it will grant an amnesty until the end of September to owners who are taking steps to hand over unlawful weapons, gun parts, magazines and ammunition. The bill was introduced by the Police Minister, Stuart Nash. The current Arms Act has a legal definition for military-style semi-automatics, or MSSAs as they are called, that is easily circumvented and is difficult in practice to apply. There are 7,500 firearms licence holders who between them possess approximately 14,000 MSSA firearms. Many more have semi-automatic firearms in the so-called sporting configuration and are easily converted into an MSSA. Far too many people in this country have access to these dangerous firearms for no legitimate purpose, but at significant risk to the public. But after the horror of the Christchurch attack and the attention on semi-automatic gun types, how are gun owners feeling about their recreational activities? 
Well, I think the military style one should be done away with. I actually have a semi-automatic, which is a sporting rifle for shooting rabbits on the farm, and I think that's all you need, a low-calibre uh, sporting rifle, not a military one. Still need mine because I'm overrun with rabbits. So. <laughs> I own a rifle I'm for hunting purposes. Um, you don't need that type of uh, weapon to hunt, so um, you know, I don't see any point in anyone but the military and maybe the police having that. I don't need it. You can get rid of those for sure. Craig too was appalled by the events in Christchurch, saying the attack was the most reprehensible thing you could ever imagine. He doesn't think the restrictions are popular among gun owners, but he also thinks they'll cope. I don't think service rifle shooting will ever be the same without a, a modern service rifle. I understand that pest controllers will be exempt, to people who like to hunt with a semi-automatic rifle, then I don't think there'll be anything quite like that. But um, I think most people will adapt pretty quickly and um, purchase something, you know, with the money that... Well, the government's intending on buying back. They'll purchase something with the money that um, that they're going to get from the government for their, for their rifle and um, move forward. There we are. An immediate reply as ducks flying. In four weeks, it's the opening day of the duck hunting season, one of the two highlights of the hunting year for recreational shooters. Lindsay Lyons is the chairman of Fish and Game, which issues the licences for game bird hunting. He says his first thoughts are for those in the attack. And our feelings go out to those people that have been suffered over this, and especially the people who are still in hospital. They'll carry the injuries to the rest of their lives, and our thoughts go out to these people, and that certainly has an impact on all of us, all of us, and certainly as hunters, we understand this. So, you know, our thoughts go out to these people. And that suffering, he thinks, is likely to be in the minds of many hunters as they head out for the new season. You think, gosh, you know, it's, it's this, this maniac hurt a lot of people and it's, it's continued to hurt a lot of people and it's really and it's it does it does it, it, it's, you're holding a, a firearm in your hand and gosh this hurt a lot of people but that the hunting heritage in New Zealand is a very strong heritage and and you, you, you if you you'd be pretty if you didn't feel that way you'd be you'd be pretty insensitive uh Philippa, if you didn't feel that way at all the majority of duck hunters won't be affected by the restrictions on firearms brought in after the attacks we have still permitted to use semi-automatic shotguns and with with, um, with magazines not exceeding five shot or five cartridges in the magazine. Lindsay Lyons speaks about the conservation values of many duck hunters who want to preserve wetlands and make sure a wide range of birds thrive there, including species which are not allowed to be hunted but he acknowledges that others may be feeling less enthusiastic about those with guns in the great outdoors. Back in the Waikato, there are lakes there. They've now got walking tracks around the lakes that um, people traditionally hunted on. And it's always a concern that, you know, to see somebody with a, you know, with a, with a, uh, with a firearm and even though it's, in, it's in a proper designated hunting area. So I think it's a case of being aware of how you present yourself with a firearm. It's what I mean by that is that it, you're not being silly with it, you're not being a bogan about it, um, and being responsible about it. And I think it's a case of making sure that we're all responsible firearm owners. No alcohol and that's where we need to really present our sport as being responsible responsible people with firearms. It's been part of our heritage for many, many, many years. 
While injury rates in duck hunting in recent years have dropped, in the past the sport did have a reputation for combining firearms and alcohol, a few swigs from the hip flask and the mai mai, which is against firearm safety rules. Hunting and gun owning does come with a risk of injury and accidents, but it may have been a surprise to many to hear an emergency doctor in Christchurch speak of his department's familiarity with gunshot wounds. Dr Dominic Fleischer was running the Christchurch Hospital Emergency Department on the day of the shootings. Christchurch Hospital is quite a busy hospital normally, with uh, one of the busiest emergency departments in New Zealand, and we're certainly the busiest trauma centre in New Zealand. We normally get about one major trauma case a day in Christchurch Hospital, not one every day, it comes in surges, but we see a lot normally. And gunshot injuries aren't uncommon for us, we normally see one to two a month, and we normally see one to two critically injured gunshot patients a year, so about six in the last three years. But to get 48 in one day is exceptional. I think it'd be exceptional for any hospital in the world, actually. Figures released at RNZ by the Ministry of Health show 629 people were treated for gunshot wounds in the past five years. More than half of those were shot accidentally, followed by 63 people who shot themselves, and there were 33 shot intentionally by another person. For Mark Lane, an Associate Professor of Medicine at Auckland City Hospital and the President of the Royal Australasian College of Physicians, it came as no surprise to hear that so many New Zealanders are injured by guns. Dr Lane wants it to be a lot harder for firearms to fall into the wrong hands. Storage of guns is crucially important. Even children using guns uh, inappropriately have caused injury. So storage is a key issue. Availability of guns, if guns are not so accessible, uh, then clearly the numbers will fall in the community and the injury rates would be expected to fall. But despite those worries and the gun deaths that happen every year, the figures from the Ministry of Health show that gun-related fatalities and injuries are on the decline. The figures released to Insight show that from a recent peak in the 1980s of over 100 gun deaths a year, the numbers, until this year, have roughly halved. On a global scale, New Zealand's rates of gun violence are extremely low. Police figures show that in 2016 there were nine gun murders or manslaughters in New Zealand, a rate of 1.87 per million people. By comparison, Australia had nearly 10 deaths per million in the same year. I'm Philippa Tolley and you're listening to an Insight programme exploring how gun owners are responding to the terrorist attack in Christchurch. Not only is the duck season not far away, for deer hunters this is the peak time of the year. It's the roar or rut, the time when stags are calling to attract the attention of hinds. The immediate past president of the Deer Stalkers Association, Bill O'Leary, expects there will be 40,000 people out hunting over the next couple of weeks. He says they all share the impact of the Christchurch attacks and many have been left unsure over whether they should go out hunting. What I've had over the last two weeks is people ringing me and ringing our office in Wellington uh, asking for some advice. And the advice generally has been to carry on as per um, normal, but just be a little bit more considerate or perhaps a little bit more aware of... um, you know, public perception and reaction. I think one of the things that has come through to me has been the reaction of quite a number of uh, people's partners. But there's certainly been some feedback from some of our members about um, how wives and partners have reacted to the situation and there's been a, 
a little bit of negative pressure on people, not necessarily to give up shooting, but just a reluctance to engage in those conversations about hunting, etc. But there was no thought, he says, of calling for people to stop going to the range or out into the hills. The fact of the matter is that um, our shooting organisations and our individual hunters and shooters are engaging in what is a lawful activity. The sadness about it is that um, you know there will be, quite naturally I think, a lot of people within New Zealand who aren't hunters and fishermen or hunters and shooters are going to sort of look at our guys as though and somehow or other they're associated with um, an atrocity that was committed by an individual who totally disregarded everything that was, you know, all those things that we consider to be of value in humanity. For Bill O'Leary, hunting is part of New Zealand's heritage, but he acknowledges there may be some that will think twice about continuing with the sport. Certainly for people in the South Island with um, farms and pest problems, not only do they involve their own, uh, you know, pest management, but they bring in, in our particular case, some of our NZDA branches to do wallaby control work. Hunting is a fact of life for a large number of the people who are actually hunters in New Zealand. We've got some people, maybe even quite a large number of hunters, who engage in hunting on an irregular basis. But it's something that might be nostalgic because, you know, it's been part of the family tradition and they grew up on a farm or they grew up in a a hunting family when Dad went out and therefore the sons and the daughter went out. Uh, One or two of those or a number of those, and who knows how many, um, will be affected to the point where they will say, I don't really want to be associated with um, firearms or perhaps pressure from workmates or family may have some effect on them. He warns those still heading into the bush will need to be aware of the heightened sensitivities around guns and extra care will be needed to reassure others. You make sure the firearm's unloaded, um, leave the firearm outside the hut, put your head in, introduce yourself and what your purpose is. But while emphasising the heritage in hunting, its role in the control of pest animals and the fact that it's a lawful activity... Bill O'Leary admits some will feel aggrieved by having restrictions on the types of firearms they can use. But he's quick to acknowledge gun owners do not have a constitutional right to own a firearm. We have it as a privilege and we live in a democracy. And I say there's four and a half million New Zealanders who are very angry and very, very upset and almost distraught about what's happened. And among those four and a half million New Zealanders, you've got 250,000 firearm owners who feel exactly the same way. It's just unfortunate that the firearm that they use as a tool for their recreation has somehow been um, targeted as as the problem. He thinks firearm owners will, by and large, comply with any new law, but he wants the focus to be on the rigour around the licensing process. To get a firearms licence, you have to be 16 years or older. You pay the fee of $126 at the post office, fill out a form and hand it in to the police, along with two passport photos, and police then carry out a background check. Insight requested an interview about how the licensing process worked, but no one from police was available to answer questions. But their website says they carry out an initial background check to see if the individual is a fit and proper person to possess firearms. 
The next step is completing a theory test and attending a firearms safety course if you're a first-time applicant. Those courses are carried out by the Mountain Safety Council at 63 different locations around New Zealand, as its chief executive Mike Daisley explains. A new applicant gets an independent scratchy test and they have to complete that uh, independent of everyone else in the classroom, obviously. Um, there's no other material they can bring with them, um, just what they've learnt prior to coming. There's a number of key questions on there, um, and if you, you get those ones incorrect, it's an instant fail. But if there's, there's a other wider body of questions, and you can get a number of those uh, wrong before you fail the, the, the theory. Can you give an idea of what those crucial ones that you can't get any of them wrong are? They relate directly back to the Firearms Act um, in terms of how you are pointing uh, firearms, uh, storing things, and a couple of very key things. And if you, you can't get those right, uh, you've you really got to go back to square one. Even after a fail in the theory, applicants can attend the practical safety demonstration, then have another go at the theory. Some of them have travelled reasonable distances, and then once that course is finished, uh, they're given a second opportunity with a different test so that the first and second tests are different. The same underlying questions, uh, but they're, they're asked very differently. They, they, the judge is not just repeating the same test. Um, and they can have a second go at that. If they fail that, then we direct them back to the police. And there's a conversation had with them by police around whether they need to reset again or how they can go move forward, further forward. But what if the instructor feels someone on the course has a bad attitude over gun use? Mike Daisley says any inappropriate comments will be challenged during the course and there are avenues to report back any concerns. The next stage in the process is vetting, police interviews and security checks. The website says police will arrange a visit to interview the applicant and check firearms security arrangements. They will also interview referees. These checks are not done by local arms officers. After emails from Insight, police confirmed they use casual employees for firearms licence administration, checking and vetting. They said many, but not all, were formerly sworn constabulary members. The licensing process and gun ownership in general has attracted the attention of Hera Cook, a senior public health lecturer at Otago University in Wellington. Along with her co-author, Dr Marie Russell, she's been talking for two years to those owning or using guns as part of research into firearm culture and policy in New Zealand. Well, I'd come back from England and I just thought there was no reason that New Zealand was going to be free of terrorist attacks and free of gun massacres and that somebody needed to get up and start thinking about what we could do to make our country safer. She says they mostly heard about hunting as a legitimate leisure pursuit. The idea of self-protection didn't feature at all, nor did she hear any prejudice views. But her research only confirmed how little is known about the numbers of guns in New Zealand, frequently estimated to be around 1.2 to 1.5 million. Well, I think the grasp we did get is that the number people are using to quote is undoubtedly too low. It's the lowest of the estimates. You know, there's estimates that go up to 3 million, and I would imagine that the real figure could be closer to that figure than to the 1.5 million, because the 1.5 million is based on the things we can actually count. And, you know, the police now do say that there is no way of making any estimate of illegal guns in this country. Um, but that 1.5 million figure doesn't include any estimate of illegal guns. There's a lot of licensed gun owners who aren't active. There must be quite a few who only own one gun. We only have 
something 248,000 and a few hundred um, licensed gun owners. So there must be a lot of people with arsenals. And the strength of the firearms licensing system turned out to be a worry to Hirakok. She says very little information was available about how many people had their applications turned down, how many had their licences revoked, and whether or not guns were then actually handed in. While the system had strengths, such as face-to-face vetting of the individual and their references, she believes it's being run on the cheap. Well, the firearms licensing officers within the police were very... That was a low-status job that was given to people who were, you know, maybe at the end of their career or maybe junior. Um, those people didn't ha- weren't given enough time to do the administrative tasks that they were actually supposed to be doing. Um, they were... The systems were old. Um, so when you get... So is that for record-keeping and administration and the like? Yeah, so that, that is the kind of record-keeping... The, the checking of the dealers and collectors, the audits of the firearms licence holders, the updating of people's um, addresses. So really simple, basic tasks. Hera Cook also thinks the time a gun licence is valid for should be shortened. In New Zealand, you're given a gun licence for 10 years. Now, we have a very high rate of mobility, which means we move a lot. So that means that the estimate was that within three years um, it would be difficult to trace many people. Now, when you have firearms licence officers who are short of time, obviously that tracing isn't going to get done. So that is an inherent problem. We should be down to three to five years for licences. There is now another five months before the amnesty over banned firearms and associated parts comes to an end. Details of a planned government buyback are still being formulated, but it's expected to cost between $100 to $200 million, although the Deputy Prime Minister Winston Peters says the figure could be up to $300 million. Hunter Craig does have worries about how the buyback system will work, whether gun owners will be offered a fair price, and if the system of physically handing over the guns will keep the legal owners safe. The idea of um, delivering um, my firearms to a, to a, a, a place where everybody knows where they're being dropped off with the potential of um, criminals lying in wait for us or... Um, protesters of some kind, you know, taking pictures of it and shaming us doesn't exactly enthrall me. So um, I'm hoping that, that, that the, um, the government and indeed the police think this through quite carefully and perhaps come and collect them or, you know, have a, um, a, a, a good way of doing this. As I'm, I'm actually a bit concerned at this point in time as to how it's all going to go down. He doesn't want gun owners doing the right thing to be made vulnerable. I'm not ashamed of, of the, the, the equipment that I own. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit like somebody with a really, really fast car. They don't need to be ashamed of it. I don't really want to be targeted or, the, you know, like the radio riders, you know, they're getting, um, you know, named and shamed and stuff, and we, we don't want part of that. You know, we're actually the people that go and, and um, hand in their firearms for a buyback-type situation. We're the law-abiding people. We're, we're not the ones that need to be held up as examples of bad citizens. Um, we're doing the right thing. For public health lecturer Hera Cook, the changes are a small price to pay for hopefully a safer future. No one's talking about taking your guns away. Nobody's talking about prohibition. And we're just saying we should have stronger controls over fewer guns. 
The new arms amendment bill is expected to get royal assent and pass into law by this coming Thursday. That programme was written and presented by me, Philippa Tolley, with additional reporting by Teresa Cowie. That's all from Insight for today. Lovely to have you with us. Ka kite anō.